Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's up, everybody? We are up here for another episode of Believe in Kentucky. Alongside former QB1, Jalen Whitlow, we got Aaron Gershon from the Cats Pose. My name is Vinny Hardy. Together, we bring you Believe in Kentucky on the Believe Podcast Network. Check us out on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. You can also get the episodes on the TuneIn app. You can just hit Believe and listen to us there. YouTube Believe Network. You can see us if you want to look at us and see what you're hearing. You can see us there as well. Um, follow us on Twitter. Is it Jay Whitlow underscore two, right? Yep. And yep. Hey, Gershon 99. And we bring you Believe in Kentucky. And we're going to come in talking about another Florida win. A quiet swamp. Is a fun <laughs> swamp, fellas. Let's get on into this. Let's get y'all's thoughts on this latest win over Florida. Yeah, man, it, it was a, uh, it was uh, that was my first time covering a game there, so it was a uh, that's a special atmosphere. I mean, uh, it's an outdoor press box, so there's no no glass separating, and uh, it's loud. But like you said, like you said, Vinny, they by the middle of the fourth quarter, you could start hearing the pin drops and. The only other thing you could hear is go big blue chant. So uh, I just thought, you know, I, I think 26-16 is almost like – I felt like the game – Kentucky dominated more than the score showed. Um, I just think, you know, obviously there were some problems running the ball early in the game. Uh, Will Levis was getting killed early on, and that kind of led to that one uh, funky interception, which set up a short field touchdown drive, and then you had the bad snap. So that's nine points on the board, but – Man, it, it easily could have been like 26-3, 26-6. They, they dominated, and uh, they're the better program right now. Yeah, I mean, I can't disagree with anything you just said there. I think um, the biggest thing, like I said, I put a tweet out last year that said, you know, Kentucky football is at a point, the program's at a point where teams know they're running the ball and they can't, you know, they can't stop it. I think that's a very, very powerful position to be in um, when it comes to football. When teams, you know, teams as talented as Florida at home know you're going to run the ball and they still have a hard time stopping it. And I'm referencing the end of that game. It kind of broke uh, Florida's will. In my opinion, again, I said, you know, this is probably the biggest win in, you know, Coach Stoops, his tenure. I think, you know, just the way they won. And they didn't even play that great on offense, you know. you know, special teams weren't great, and they still won the game by double digits, pretty much. So, um, you know, that's that's pretty that's pretty good, and that that's uh that's pretty like I said, that's a powerful position to be in because you got an offensive coordinator like um, Scangarello, who you know they pride themselves on running the ball and play action in you. Uh, so, if they can get that offensive line, you know, I think the confidence was built in that fourth quarter. If they can continue that. Um, with Will Levis in the arm, and the I mean, they got weapons that receive Chris yeah. Rodriguez coming back. If they can stay healthy, I mean, it can like, and I said this a couple weeks ago, this could be a this could be a historic, very historic year in Kentucky football history. Um, I just think all the pieces are in place now, they got to stay healthy and they got to yeah. continue to build on what they're doing. But like I said, this is it's a very powerful position to be in, number nine in the country. And they deserve it. Like, this is no, like, you know, we're number nine because we're number nine now. They deserve to be number nine in the mm-hmm. country. Um, and, I, you know, again, I had people hit me up, texting me, you know, you know, like, man, did you see what can – like, I come in contact with a lot of kids that I train and their parents. And I guess I just get off the field with a parent who's a Tennessee fan. His <laughs> daughter goes to Tennessee. And I was like, man, you know, it's looking spooky for <laughs> – looking spooky <laughs> for a lot of teams – yeah, it is. Uh, on that schedule, I mean, if they can continue to keep the ball rolling, again, the quarterback, 
you know, if that offensive line can stay, you know, they got the quarterback to take them places. Um, so I'm excited to see it, man. I'm really excited to see the Tennessee game. I'm really excited to see uh, the Georgia game. You know, uh, I'm really excited to see those games because I think Tennessee is on the uprise too. I th- yeah, I mean, they are. Georgia is Georgia, so we know what they're coming with. But I think, you know, I think the program kind of, you know, reached another echelon last Friday, last Saturday. I really do believe that. And, you know, in the swamp, Mark Stoops becomes the all-time winningest coach in Kentucky football history. And I think it's only fair that since you're on this podcast with us, we flash back because uh, Christy Thomas, um, who was BBN tonight, UK Sports Network, had said that there was going to be like a compilation video once Coach Stoops broke the record. And we saw them tweet that out, win by win, highlights <laughs> of all 61 wins. And if we go back to win number two, one Jalen Whitlow yeah. out there with some wheels, a huge run. And you, that highlight was basically your show for his second win. So we could not have this episode and not mention yeah. the work you put in to help him get to 61 wins. Yeah. And, man, one thing that I, you know, I always like Stoops. One thing I really appreciated him, I saw a press conference and he was, you know, um, you know, and we, obviously we were, you know, as far as win-loss record, we were his worst team. His first team, but his worst team. But one thing I do appreciate is, you know, he always, you know, he kept saying that he appreciated the guys that, you know, started in 2013 and the guys that the coaches and the players that came, you know, before the guys that are, that are there now. I think that was big. I appreciate him saying that, even though, um, you know, we were kind of that group that kind of bite the bullet on a lot of things and, you know, kind of take the lumps. Um, but again, you know, I, I remember that game vividly because, you know, I was, I'm from Montgomery, Alabama. Alabama State is in Montgomery, Alabama. We have family who went to Alabama State, friends who were there on that team at Alabama State, guys that I played my whole life that were on that team at Alabama State. So uh, that game was real, uh, real interesting. It was a big deal that week. I remember my phone, you know, going off like 300 times <laughs> on Friday night and on Saturday from people back home. And, you know, it was crazy. Uh, and when that run happened, I remember uh, – shout out to uh, to uh, Marco Robinson too for the block. But I remember mm-hmm. I remember that run. I remember thinking like on the 50-yard line, like, man, this is crazy. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like, Because, you know, it was against my – you know, pretty much the hometown team where I'm from. I mean, uh, so that, that was wild, man. But um, – you know, it was a, a well-needed night in Kentucky football program at that time. We definitely needed a win. Um, but, again, you know, I'm glad they honored that they put that on there, man. That was obviously a big play of the game. Um, I forgot to score that game, but we ended up winning, winning pretty big. I mean, uh, we had a business that night. But, um, again, this second win, hey, at least, I'll, you know, a part of a part of two. A part of two of the, <laughs> I, wish you, I wish it was a – a few more. Part of me, I got to be honest, part of me, the competitive side of me, it's like, almost like, man, I wish we would have, um, I wish we had, you know, we're in a position and had the, the the type of team and the type of culture at that time to really make a huge dent in Coach Stoops' legacy at Kentucky and our legacy as players. Uh, but, you know, it was it's just a part of the process. You know, as a coach now, I understand it. You come in, I mean, guys are used to a certain culture guys you know it's just it's human nature you know people aren't you know you got it take years to get things to where you really wanted to go and um kentucky stuck with, with coach stoops and you know it's, it's paying dividends big time now oh yeah now on that note i got a couple of quick questions and of course we'll break it on the game and everything but as a player at kentucky like you said you didn't get as many wins as you thought but you have coached now You've been a part of big wins, no doubt. So when you do get that big win, getting all that love, how do you, as a coach, you've had to do it, keep the guys focused, keep the guys grounded, all that rat poison Nick Saban likes to talk (laughs) about. 
everybody, which there's veteran guys, you know, Square and, and all these guys have been there for a while, right? And all those guys that can maybe from a player standpoint, keep these young guys from getting too puffed up. But how do you avoid the human nature to kind of, hey, pat yourself on the back? How do you, because you got a Youngstown State who won't be intimidated, but it's not going to be the same as playing Florida in the swamp. So how do you stay focused about being about that business? Yeah, it's, it's definitely tough. It helps when you have guys like Levis, uh, Chris Rodriguez, and I know he's not playing right now, but uh, and the you know the plethora of guys they have on defense. I mean, oh yeah, you know, it's the seniors. So it helps when you have guys like that, man. Because it's the best teams, the leadership. You know, it's cliche, and people y'all heard it before. But the best teams, the leadership come from the players, uh, where the coaches don't even have to step in and say anything. The players get it right. But um, it's definitely a co the coach's job to get this team ready. And uh, I think the team, you know, the team will be ready. But it's definitely human nature to kind of exhale after a big win, you know. And when you exhale, you don't have time to exhale in this sport. You don't have time mm -hmm. to exhale in anything. I mean, you got to keep going. Um, so the big thing is the way as a coach I used to try to get around it was I used to, like, be, like, extremely anal about everything the week we play a team that we supposed to beat. Um, and this is kind of counterintuitive because the weeks that, you know, we're playing a team that uh, is going to be a good game or they, they may have better talent or, you know, it's a tough team. You know, those are the weeks that, you know, the kids know it's a big game. They know it's a tough team. They know they need to be on their A game. So those are the weeks where you kind of calm everybody down and you really um, you kind of hammer, you know, the details of what we need to do schematically and assignments and that type of thing. But weeks like this is where, you know, I was always taught, you know, I was raised in the house with the coach. My dad was a coach for 18 years. So I was always taught, you know, weeks like this, this is the time to really, you know, this should be the toughest week of practice, you know, uh, and not just to be an a-hole, but just, you know, mentally they got to be able to get over Florida. We don't even say Florida, you know, that type of thing. You know, it's, it's psychology in that too. Uh, because Florida doesn't exist no more. You know, it, it's, it's out of here. You know, we can't get it back. You know, it's over. Now you got to move on. So that's a tough – it's tough. It's easier said than done, obviously, because it's human nature to want to relax. Uh, mm -hmm. Everybody want to relax, you know, comfortably on the couch, eat chips, chill out, you know, drink a beer. <laughs> everybody want to do that. You know, it's just human nature. So to get teams to stay up after a win like that is – that's a tough job. So we'll, we'll see what they do. And Youngstown State, you know, I played FCS football when I was at Eastern. A lot of people get it twisted that, you know, FCS football is is, is, is lower level. Yes, it's lower level than SEC. We must admit that. But at the same time, you're dealing with very good players. You're dealing with very good coaches. They may be a little bit smaller, right? They may be um, – may not have as much size up front as SEC-type teams, but they – you know, they love playing these type of games and coaches love coaching these type of games. There's nothing to lose, right? We're throwing everything at you, right? Because there's only one way to go. If, you know, if we lose, we were supposed to lose. If we beat you, you know, that's, you know, so it's tough, man. You know, to answer your question, yeah, it's, 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 it's a beast. That's part of the profession that I don't think anybody has mastered really. And they come in with tons of tradition. I mean, Mark Stoops is from there. Merrill's from there. It's basically the, the Stoops Merrill Invitational because you go have everybody, <laughs> everybody from home coming down. Yeah, and you got Mike Stoops too, Frank Bufano, Courtney yeah. Love. Yeah. All the homeboys, all the homeboys coming in. Everybody from town is coming. So, and and they got tradition. They've won championships. You know, oh, yeah. Jim Trestle was up there, you know, winning chips and stuff. So, uh, they're not going to be intimidated. They, like you said, they live for this and they're used to this because they, they've been there, done it, been doing it for a long time. Um, so it's, you know, when we saw the Chattanooga game last year too. So. Well, yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, yeah, those guys, I'm telling you, they, they live for this, man. Cause they, they always, they come in there with a chip. Like, man, I didn't get recruited by Kentucky. I want to show them that I'm worthy of playing on this level. Because at the end of the day, you can't tell me every everybody. It's human nature to want to move up, you know, in what you're doing. So, you know, guys feel like they're at the FCS level. They feel like they've been slighted. You know, they feel like they should they should be playing on this level. So they, I mean, they come with now 
on the flip side of that, Youngstown State coach, it's going to be hard to get those guys up for a game next week because they, yeah. they put everything in this. And when they play an FBS opponent, I remember when I was at Eastern, we played Minnesota. Uh, my junior year, we played Northwestern my senior year. And, I mean, it's like it's a, it's a Super Bowl for them, you know. It really is. So, it's going to be a challenge. They're going to come out and play extremely hard. Kentucky got to be able to match that energy. Jump in, AG, man. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I think – and we heard this week during uh, the pressers, you know, Will Levis kind of just talked about – last year against Chattanooga there being a lack of energy I mean it was a, a like this year a noon kickoff coming off a big SEC win and uh you, you just got to get up for it and I, th- I think they learned from that experience and uh man there, there's so many vets on this group I mean you're just looking at the defense alone with you know your two inside linebackers or fifth year starters you know Tyrell Asian though I think has played you know he's been kind of an underrated guy uh in these first two games he's a 60-year guy I mean there's a lot of experience I think that'll help you know alleviate that letdown but yeah Youngstown State they have a really good running back uh Brad White was saying it might be the best running back they play all year um, and, and like Jalen said, I mean, these guys have a chip on their shoulder. And I think now with the transfer portal, you put things on tape the next year, you could be playing at Kentucky. And then next thing you know, you know, you're you're boosting your NFL draft stock and have more eyes on you that way. I mean, you look at what Ramon Jefferson, uh, unfortunately, out for the year with the injury and probably will get him back next year on the on an on an injury waiver. But you know, you look at what he was able to do at, at Sam Houston State and at Maine and kind of pay his dues and get up to that level. Um, this is a huge game for them. They got nothing to lose. Um, I'm sure, you know, at Youngstown, there's a lot of talk uh, when, you know, in their press conferences or just around town about, you know, this being the Mark Stoops game. And it's all about Mark Stoops and Youngstown. And they probably are sick of hearing it. They want to hear about their, themselves. So, um, yeah, you definitely can't overlook it. And even a guy like Bryce Oliver, who played at Kentucky, I'm sure. And he's a guy who scored eight touchdowns last year. He already has two this year. He's going to want to have the game of his life. Yeah. Um, so, so they'll come in ready to go. But obviously, Kentucky has far more talent. They have far more size. And as long as they have, as long as they get up for this game, um, they they should take care of business, and we should also get to see some guys like uh, Dakel Gratis and Jordan Anthony, who the coaching staff mentioned by name, really wanting to get them out there this week. Mm-hmm. And the big fella, Goodwin, they've been yeah, he's got to get go. They need him because look, I thought Kenneth Horsey uh, and Jalen, you could uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I thought he played pretty well at left tackle. But if they could just keep him at his natural spot, I think Jagger Burton's doing a pretty good job. But if you could just keep Kenneth at left guard and have a guy like Goodwin, who's a freak uh, of nature. I mean, you just look at him, his size, and obviously that, you know, the talent he has, if, if they have him ready to go uh, and, you know, really be solid. I mean, that offensive line, I think is even better, but um uh, obviously, uh, they need to they need to build his confidence, and they, I think they did the right thing. Not you know putting Horsey at left tackle at the swamp, not pushing it. You know Zach Yenzer talked about you can lose a guy's confidence that way, and obviously Florida's egg rushers had a really good first half. Um, so um, yeah, they definitely need to get good one going, and I think they really like I said they really want to get to Kel Crowdis in action. Um, Jordan Anthony, they want to see play, but, you know, obviously you can redshirt him this year where DeKel's already used that redshirt year. Um, so it, it's an important game to take care of business and then see what you have, you know, a little bit up and down the death chart because we've already seen a couple injuries hit with uh, Juton McClain. Uh, now Jalen Geiger is out for the year. So uh, it's really important to get some reps for the the guys lower on the depth chart or not even on the depth chart. Yeah, absolutely. So, Hopefully it does play out that way where, uh, you know, you come out and impose your will. Don't let it drag into the fourth quarter where, yeah. you know, it's still in doubt, you know, kind of like that Chattanooga game was. And then and we'll, get some guys worked in, like you said. Yeah, and one positive is I, I think, and I just wrote a story on the defensive side of it, but I feel like, and I think this team's even better because the quarterback, but this team reminds me a lot of 2018 where – especially on defense, more so on defense, you have a gr- really good balance of vet- or veterans like DeAndre Square, Jaquez Jones, you had, uh, and Kedron Smith is a veteran, Tyrell Asian. That year you had, you know, Josh Allen, you had Der- the whole secondary was seniors. Um, you know, Jordan Jones was a senior. 
Um, and then you also had guys like DeAndre Square that year. It was an all-SEC freshman. You had Marquand McCall uh, mm-hmm. and Quentin Bohanna was a sophomore. Tyrell Asian had a big pick that year. He was a freshman that year. And then this year, you know, you have those vets and you also have Deion Walker. You have Alex Safari. You know, you have Jordan Lovett, who I thought played pretty well when Geiger went down. So, um, and if you remember that year, they went to Florida. They got the big emotional win. Almost the same score, by the way, 27-16, yeah. uh, 26-16 this time. And they they took care of Murray State pretty quickly. I think it was 48-7 was the final. And they, Terry, Terry Wilson's day was done by halftime. So um, I think <laughs> I think they're a lot like this team. Even I think they're even better than this team because of the offense. Um, but I think they'll take care of business. I, I think they'll get up for this one, but that, that's nothing against Youngstown State. That's my trust in this Kentucky team. And Josh Allen called in to the call-in show Monday and yeah. even thinks the defense has the potential to be better than what they were in, in 2018. But just the way they communicate and, and the chemistry and, and how everybody's just kind of connected on that side of the ball. So Yeah, I'll tell you what real quick, and then I want to get Jalen's take on how they were able to – slow down Anthony Richardson, but you know, every time Anthony Richardson moved out of the pocket, there was something causing chaos, whether that was a DB, you know, just locked up in coverage, whether that was Jordan Wright flying to chase down that one chase. I mean, obviously the interception he made was the play of the game, but that one chase down sack that Jordan had on the sideline, like, Oh my gosh. I don't think, I don't think um, Anthony Richardson prepared or, had any idea what Kentucky's the speed they had on defense, uh, just the smarts. They, I mean, every, there was just a guy somewhere, everywhere, whether it was downfield or, you know, coming to shoot down a run lane, Kentucky's defense was all over the field. They were flying around. It felt like they had like 13 DBs back there. Uh, It was just unbelievable to see the chaos they caused. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that, man. I, um, and like I said earlier, Stoops, and White, Brad White, they got a, a knack for getting your quarterback out of his game. I don't know how, I don't know what, <laughs> but one thing I do know is that defense is a nightmare to prepare for. The amount of looks they give you, um, the the guys are really, really, really well coached on defense. Yeah, really, and I think this team can be, you know, a, a decent amount better than 2018's team. Uh, I really do believe that because, I mean, there's just more time in a system. I mean, it's just more guys who have experience in this system, this verbiage, this culture. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that that'll pay dividends if they can stay healthy. Um, but yeah, I, I do agree. Uh, you know, those guys are very, very well coached. I mean, the quarterback, uh, he, I mean, he, it's like, it's like he had no chance. No, um, you know, there was always, they looked extremely fast, and I think Stoop said that uh, they looked extremely fast on defense. Um, oh, yeah. Guys were always in position to make a play, right? Whether they made the play or not, they were always in position to make a play. Mm-hmm. And that's a sign of a smart team. That's a sign of good coaching when guys are always in position. That, that reminds me of teams like um, Vanderbilt when we when, um, what's the guy at Penn State was the head coach at Vanderbilt. Yeah, Franklin, when we yeah. played Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt was always in position to make the play. Always. I remember mean, we played Northwestern when I was at Eastern. They were always in position to make the play. Whether they made it or not is, you know, one thing, but they were always there. There was no just clear running lanes. Hmm. So uh, that's what Kentucky defense do. And now they have such good players over there where they're ma- they're getting the negative plays. They're getting the sacks. They're, they're getting the pick sixes. You know, I think that's just that. I mean, that's what they've built you know, over there. So it's, it's a, it's tough for the uh, opposing quarterback because it's a lot of looks. Uh, they're fast. They're always in position. So you got to really earn it against Kentucky. You got to really earn it. Uh, but my thing is going back to the 2018 team comparison. I think this team has way more depth at quarterback. Oh uh, yeah. Definitely. I mean, not at quarterback, but at receiver, definitely uh, the offensive scheme is, uh, we know is, is, is ahead. Um, and, you know, I just think it's, it's – if you can marry the two and keep everybody healthy, that's – and you need luck. You know, people I, people can say what they want to say. To have the season that you want to have, you got to have everything fall into place. You got to have guys stay healthy. You got to have things happen at the right time. It's just the truth. Um, you know, you look at the teams that win national championships, they are the, a lot of the times the teams that are the healthiest. 
you know, the teams that, you know, because once you get in that playoff of four, two of those teams are very, 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 very close in talent. And the team that wins, like last year, if Alabama had one of those receivers that went down, Alabama probably mm-hmm. win the national championship yep. again. Um, so if they can stay healthy and continue to build on what they're doing, they're building great depth. That's why it's, it, it's really important, and, and Stoops would never say this, Coach White would never say this, Rich would never say this, but it's really important for them to be up big because they get guys yeah. they get guys in and they get guys reps uh, in the game, you know, because you just never know what may happen. So they, they need guys to get reps. Like they have – they kept mentioning two receivers that they're going to break out this week that is supposed to be the real deal. Uh, and they, they're really hoping to get up, you know, 28 points to, to be able to put guys in uh, so they can start to really compound interest when it comes to debt. Yeah. yeah, and, you know, it's funny. What made Mark Stoops say it like that, you know, the important – like he pretty much just took the words out of your mouth uh, <laughs> on Monday. He said, you know, actually the question was about Bryce Oliver and how, you know, what he's seen from Minmet Youngstown State. And part of his answer, you know, outside of just talking about Bryce, was we need to get those young receivers in. And I think part of it is because – they know they have a lot of depth there and they want to make sure those guys are confident that they have a role because this transfer portal now, man, I mean, you could see I'm five on the depth chart. I'm out. Like that's yeah. just how it goes. So guys like Dakel Crowdis, guys like Jordan Anthony, even Brandon White, uh, a, a freshman from Cincinnati, they're really high on. They want to get those guys in and say, Hey, this is how we're going to use you. You just got to, you know, earn those reps. And I think, um, I think it is super important to get on top to see that. But even, you know, even the guys who are playing right now and aren't even starters, like I think Chauncey Magwood's made some really big plays for them on the offensive side. You look at the defense. I mean, man, like guys like Khalil Saunders rotating in and making a play. Obviously, the <laughs> Deion Walker, the play he made was just just ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then in the, in the defensive backfield, it just felt like, uh, another reason Anthony Richardson struggled so much is because Kentucky had so many different guys on that defense make plays. You know, you look at, I thought Carrington Valentine is his best game of his college career. Kedron Smith was awesome, obviously. Uh, you know, they were able to rotate some guys at safety with Zion Childers, with um, obviously Geiger before he got hurt was playing pretty well. Tyrell Asian had a great game. Jordan Lovett played pretty well. And then at linebacker, obviously of Jones and Square, but you saw Derek Jackson get in there a couple times. They just have, they have so many capable guys, and they have even more kind of in the in the waiting. So, uh, man, what they're building, it's super impressive. And you know that it just showed in that Florida game because you know both teams had a couple injuries pop up. Uh, Florida had you know their top pass rusher got hurt. Their starting right tackle went out for the game. They weren't able to recover from that, but Kentucky was when they lost their starting free safety. Um, it, it just says a lot of what they have and what this, what uh, Mark Stoops is doing, both coaching wise and recruiting wise. Yeah, I, I, I agree, man. I agree, hundred ten percent. And another thing, you know, real fast that the, the coaches are not going to say this, but they need to see big plays in the passing game Saturday. Yes, need it. People, you know. Yeah, it's they whatever they want to say. Yes, it's the NFL offense, and we I agree with all of that. I agree with all the complex stuff they're doing on offense. But at the end of the day, if I'm a recruit, I gotta see the ball in the air. Yep. I gotta see it. You know, so they, you know, they they gotta they gotta the coaches know that they you know they're not gonna say it, but deep down they know that. You know, know at the end of the day, a lot of these kids, if I'm a if I'm a recruit, if I'm a high school receiver, the tough wins are great, but at the end of the day. You know, people are individuals. They want they want to get theirs. So you know, those receivers want to get theirs at at some point. And like you was just saying about the transfer portal nowadays, you know, if a kid don't play in you know in a couple games, you know, they they're looking to leave during the season. You know, so it's it's just a different <laughs> just a different world now. But um, but yes, you know, they they gotta and just not just for recruiting but for the guys on a roster that start they they need to develop some more fluidity in the passing game um uh, i think that it's going to help again compound interest um what what they can do on offense because now a team you know if i'm a defensive coordinator i got to prepare for that run game and when chris get back you know and the quarterback can move and they can throw the ball whenever they want and they're efficient with it 
you can hang it up for most teams. They don't have the they don't have the the, the coaching, the depth, the talent to be able to defend it. So uh, they they need to see some big time pass concepts, some big time, um, you know, some big explosive plays in the pass game for sure. And, and it's also important because you got to you know now that this is Will's last year, you got to recruit quarterbacks too and show them you know what they're going to be doing. And you look at you know you're probably I would think you know no offense to Deuce Hogan or Kyle Sharon, but I would think the quarterback's going to come out of the transfer portal next year, um, mm-hmm. almost no doubt. And then you look at like some of the kids they're trying to recruit. The name is slipping me right now, but there's a kid right here in Lexington, I believe, at either Lex Cath or Christian, yeah. who he can throw the hell out of the ball. And they yeah. want to keep that kid, Cutter Bully, maybe? Is yeah. that it? Yeah. 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 And they need to yeah. keep that kid home. It's really important. Um, and, and, you know, the more they see the ball in the air and, you know, what, what they're doing, it's going to help both, you know, recruit receivers and quarterbacks. And I think it's already working, you know, with receivers. We obviously Dane, see Dane Key and Barry on Brown right now, but you have a kid in Shamar Porter who's really high, highly coveted coming next year, Anthony Brown as well. And then, you know, you saw that kid, uh, I forget his first name, but English, who was a Auburn yeah. commit, he yeah. just decommitted. And I, I wouldn't, and Kentucky was number two. Uh, on his list and I wouldn't be surprised if that Dane Key touchdown catch ha- had a little bit of, and the fact that Auburn stinks uh had a little bit uh to do with that yeah you know those kids they I agree man they want to they want to so so both y'all think that they're gonna spend more time assume assuming that it, it, it is a blowout while the starters are in both of y'all think they're gonna lean more towards airing it out and getting the passing game on track and not working on the run game, which still hasn't really popped yet. Yeah. You know? I mean, you got some good well, critical runs against Florida, but it's still not the typical ground game we've seen. So y'all both think they're going to lean yeah. more towards being well, past every Saturday. Just looking at Youngstown State, I think so, because Youngstown State has allowed under 60 rushing yards in both their game and have the fifth-ranked uh, rushing defense in the FCS their passing defense has not been that good. So it actually happens to work out better from a matchup standpoint. And then you look next week at Northern Illinois, I think they're actually the opposite where they have a decent secondary and their pass defense, uh, their run defense hasn't been very good. So it's kind of nice. You have two of these games that you feel pretty good about um, uh, back to back. But yeah, I think, I think they really need to, I mean, obviously they've had, I think the past game has been pretty good. Um, obviously, Will, I think, has been <laughs> damn near perfect so far this year. I know he missed a couple throws in the first game, had a bad pick, but I, I think he's shown that improvement already, you know. But, yeah, they they definitely need to air it out. It helps with recruiting. And, and I mean, look, I, they want to get it. They want to get their run blocking established. But, you know, I, I think Cavassi Smoke's a nice player. I think Lavelle Wright has a great future. But, you know, a lot of what their run offense is going to be is going to be when Chris gets back, not not what, with Cavassi and Lavelle. Yeah. yeah. I think that uh, – oh, go ahead. Really? I was just going to ask you real quick, um, what is a quarterback's best friend? We, we saw – what Stoops like to call, especially in that second half, those aggravating runs where you get four, five, six yards, get you in third and short, keep a drive going. We also saw some good stuff in the first half to the tight ends. Uh, tight ends, the quarterback's best friend. Which one was more pivotal, having that that run game to lean on, which they did, or the tight ends kind of opening things up because, like, you know, Florida was – Florida was keyed up on the run, especially in the first half, had tight ends running free. Which one do you think is more of a quarterback's best friend, or is it a tie? Can you pick one? Yeah, I think I I will always lean run game because at the end of the day, uh, when you know that you got the talent, you got the scheme to be able to run the ball, when people know you're going to run the ball, there's the sky's the limit for your offense now. That's why – and people look at it and they see, like, the old Baylor. You know, now what mm-hmm. Tennessee's doing on offense. Oh. Don't get it twisted. Like, they're, it looks pretty because they're tempoing and everything, but they are running the hell out of the football. You know, they are. You know, so so that's that's what you want because now the play-action pass game is money. So I I do think – and I, I go kind of in the reverse when they play Youngstown State. I believe that they – I say they rush for 180-plus – and if that's why coaches always don't ever let them fool you. They always get a, a plan how they want the game to go, especially in these type yeah. of games. They they want to rush the ball very well early, get up, and then start to work on passing game. 
That's what they want to do. Um, and that's just the truth. They want to run the ball well, rush for that 150, 180, get up a couple scores. Now let's start to let's start to spread it out a little bit and let's work on the things we need to work on because they know they got some dogs coming down the line on the schedule. So that's what they want to do. Um, and then they want to get got new guys in there and then they want to get back to running their stuff, run, play action, screen. That's what they want to do. So that's what that's how offensive coordinators think. And at least that's how I thought as an offensive coordinator. I want the best possible situation for my quarterback. And the best situation for my quarterback is to be able to run the ball well, to get some confidence on screen play action, some easy throws, and to be able to throw the ball when we want to throw the ball, to be able to run the ball when we want to run the ball. Mm-hmm. That's how you keep the rhythm going, and that's how you keep guys engaged. Like, I don't, if you're the third receiver at Kentucky, you are, those guys are texting their family and you can call it what it is. It's just the truth. They want the ball more. The number one guy want the ball more. Like they do. Like they want to make plays. Like they, this is what they, these are highly competitive guys. These are alphas. These are very good athletes. They want to be able to make an impact on the game. So um, I'm not saying that they're not getting the ball enough, but it's always more, right? They see it. They're on Instagram and Twitter and they see, uh, the kid at USC got had 12 catches or whatever yeah. it may be. They see that, you know, they want the ball. They want to be able to make an impact. They feel like they're just as good. They're competitive and they should feel that way. Uh, but at the end of the day, the offense is designed in a certain way where they want to loosen. They want to bang the machine, loosen the bolts a little bit and then go take it for the guts. That's, that's just how the offense is designed. I love the offense. I really do. I love the offense last year. Uh, Cause I think it, it's tough to defend, but um, let's not get, you know, uh, let's not get it twisted. They, they, you know, these guys, the quarterback want to throw it. Mm-hmm. The best want to run it. Offensive line want to get on the perimeter and block. That's just what these kids want to do. So, uh, and I, I, you know, and we can't fault them. This is just how, how it is. But, um, but yes, I do think in Youngstown, they want to, Youngstown State, they want to run the ball well, you know, get it off to a good start play action a little bit, loosen that thing up, get up a couple scores, let the quarterback get a feel for the passing game some more because uh, they know they got, you know, and same thing for next week. They got a, you know, tough slate once they hit the SEC schedule. So they want to get get all those uh, eyes dotted and T's crossed. I think, Aaron, we we were texting, I don't know if it was halftime of the game or after it was over or when, but uh, Anthony Richardson was shook pretty much. Yeah. So at Jalen, he was rattled. Uh, how I know he didn't have a lot of a sample size to to evaluate, but how would you evaluate him, Jalen, based on what you saw coming into the Kentucky game? Uh, there was a lot of hype, Aaron. Uh, Cam, Cam Newton, Vince Young, Dak, Dak Prescott, Humps, Heisman, Tim Tebow, <laughs> two point oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So how would you evaluate him, Jalen? You don't have a lot to go on, but based off of what you had seen, uh, you know, athleticism, potential, all that kind of stuff, how would you grade him out uh, before Saturday? <laughs> before Saturday, I graded him out pretty well. You know, I kind of yeah. bought into the hype a little bit, man. I, I mean, I still think he's a great player, though. Don't get me wrong. He just he just ran into a, a, a wall Saturday. Go ahead. Sorry, sorry. I just want to. I'll let you go back. DeAndre Square said the same thing today. Great player. We just we heard him. <laughs> yeah. Don't get it twisted. Like, you know, these guys are he's a great player. He's a very rare athlete. How smooth he makes things look, how easy it looks. His arm is out of this world. His arm reminds me of the backup for Tennessee. Uh the kid that transferred from Michigan, Milton. Joe Milton. Milton. Yeah. Yep. They they have, I mean, ridiculous talent in that arm, man. It's it's crazy. Uh he just ran into a defense that was very good, very well prepared, very motivated. Roman Harper added to that. So Florida can thank Roman Harper. Uh, you know, so that's what he ran into. He's still a great player. Now, is he what you know I thought he was after the after the Kentucky game? No. I thought he was a little bit more polished than that. Um, so that's why I say he need another year. He's an NFL yep, yep. guy. He just need another year to polish up. Because he has every ounce of talent. Uh, he seems like a pretty – and I don't know if rattled is the word. He was just off a little bit. He seems like the pretty 
pretty, you know, calm guy, pretty confident guy in his ability. Uh, you know, he's, he seems to have good mental disposition from what I watched. I didn't see him like getting extremely flustered. He was just disappointed in himself, you know, during the game and that happens. But, um, the kid is a great player though. Don't get, yeah. you know, don't get me wrong. I don't, I'm not saying he's a bad player. Uh, I'm just saying he just ran into a bad night against a very, very motivated driven defense that was just ready to, you know, prove to, you know, Paul Feinbaum showed that they weren't soft. It's yeah. Funny. I think, you know, the the quarterback draw when 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 Jacquez Jones met him right there in the hole when he looked to have – Yeah, that was a great rank. play. And the next thing you know, he getting stood up. And yeah. I don't know if that was the start yeah. of it or the, or the pick I, or what, but, it, you know, he was kind of – maybe wasn't rattled, but maybe he was like, oh, this is it's going to be a long night. I don't, I don't know, but yeah, it was too- – Two things on that. I, I think the very first DeAndre Square shot out of a, was like shot out of a cannon on the first play from scrimmage and had a quarterback pressure. Literally the first play of the game. So I wonder if that sent a message right away. But you know, Brad White said after the game that um, they did feel like Richardson was rattled. He's used that word after the Jordan Wright interception. He felt like that play where you know Florida had a nine point lead at that time. They got the ball back. They, I mean, if they go on a touchdown drive, man, it's a three-possession game, and yeah. it's not looking good for Kentucky. I mean, Florida has all the momentum. They have the crowd, obviously, and, you know, it could be a long night uh, for UK. But the fact that Jordan Wright was able to make that play and, you know, <laughs> return that to the six-yard line, set up a touchdown before half, and, you know, Florida never scored again. Yeah, and I think, you know, I don't, I don't know who's the offensive coordinator at Florida, uh, uh, Napier calls the plays. All right, so I definitely know it's his system, but I didn't know if he were like if he yeah. Was, but so they didn't help him either. Like if nope. you go back and watch the game, <laughs> oh. there was nowhere to go with the ball in a lot of plays. Nowhere nope. to go with, it. and even you know a couple of the throws that he did make, they were like the you know defense was right there on him, um, and they tackled the tackled the the receiver really fast, like the, you know. They populated the ball real fast on defense, and that's what Kentucky does. They, you know, it's an effort thing. They populate the ball. They get they get hats to the ball, um, but I don't think the scheme helped them. I don't think no. that I don't think there was anything. It wasn't like he was throwing open guys, you know, at all. Uh, so I think that was the thing too. So like I said, you know, the defensive staff at Kentucky, you know, did an outstanding job. You know, I think that was a, a very good job, but. Um, but, you know, now, you know, I'm anxious to see how they come out on Saturday because, like I said, to duplicate that is extremely tough. But they got the guys to do it. They got the leadership to do it. They got the seniority to do it. Uh, everything seemed like it's on the up and up, man. So, you know, who knows? Maybe another giant drop this weekend or next weekend and Kentucky get thrust to number six or number five. Or oh. something. You know, so, we, you know, that can very well happen. You know, when was the last time Kentucky was in the top ten in, in, in football? Uh, before this, I think oh seven with Andre Woodson, they'd be out of the number. Eight. They were they were number nine, not in the AP, but the college football playoff rankings going into the Georgia yeah. game in twenty eighteen. Okay. So that's the highest I remember. That's the only time since oh seven I think they've ever been in any sort of top ten. Yeah, and they made it yeah. to eight in oh seven, and they lost to Mississippi State when they shouldn't have. Yep. Yeah. And that kind of they, I mean, they're kind of wore down. Uh, didn't have the depth that they got now. Uh, and Mississippi State played that physical ball. Anthony, I forget his name, the running back went wild. It's on a Thursday night, and uh, I think a, a game against South Carolina too kind of got away from them, and they, they stumbled a little bit down the stretch. Did they play Mississippi State at Mississippi State that year? Oh, they never went down there. Uh, no, they actually that was a home game, I think. Because 2008 is their last win at Star- in Starkville. Yeah, with Randall Cobb. Yeah, yeah. I, I love Andre Wilson, by the way. That's my that's my guy, man. <laughs> that's that's my guy. I talked to him not too long ago um, uh, through text, but that that's my guy right there. Hey, he was he was the most he was you know he was a coach not my freshman year, and I just remember talking to him talking to me. He was like bring me back to earth, you know, in that South Carolina game, like, dude, you know, go out there and just, just football. You know what I'm saying? Like, he, that's my yeah. guy. I always, I always liked him. He always, uh, he always kind of put things in perspective for me, man. That's a great dude. 
Yeah, for sure, for sure. Talk about man the uh, the targeting that wasn't on Will Levis. <laughs> I mean, come on. Yeah, that's like that's, that's, tough. that's textbook. You know, I don't I don't know what they were seeing right there. That, yeah, that's that's textbook right there, man. Yeah, it was. Will had a great answer for it. They asked him. Someone asked him about it during the post game, and he said he should have just laid on the ground longer and milked it. <laughs> he said he got back up too quickly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he did pop up, and uh, you know, what, Deuce Hogan for one play. And we... Yeah, but uh, only because he lost the helmet. That was the yeah. rule. But it was a third and seventeen. I don't think you're, you know, that early in the game. You want to push it either way. If you're going to lose him for a play, I guess that's the play to lose him. Mm-hmm. And going back to Richardson, man, Jalen, I I thought he was he he was trying to give rap picks all night. He was high, he was behind. Yeah. There's a lot of tip balls. He finally threw a couple picks. You know, Wright got the one, and then Kedron Smith got the other one. But dude, yeah. could have threw four or five. I'm like, man, this yeah, dude, he was his best throw some picks tonight. Yeah, he was he was wild. And I was watching the game with my brother. Uh, my middle brother is a uh, he was a quarterback too in college so we're kind of watching the game from a quarterback perspective all the time and we was like yeah this guy's gonna he's gonna give it to us you know he's gonna throw one to Kentucky because he <laughs> you know he was just wild with the ball and the pick you know the Jordan Wright pick is tough on a quarterback oh yeah that's just that's a freak play that was a great play by Jordan Wright not taking anything away from him but that's a freak play uh where you know you're not expecting that ball to be picked off now obviously He's on a quarterback at the end of the day. You got to find a way to get, get it around the guy. But but the other one, the other one was a great defensive call. They jumped into a cloud coverage. Uh, and the guy, he uh it was a hitch conversion. And he, you know, if you get press or cloud coverage, you you convert it into a fade. If not, you run a hitch. Um, and the guy converted it, and it shouldn't have been, it would have been picked anyway, even whether it's yeah. a conversion or not. But uh, he threw it right to him, and that's a great – I mean, they're playing chess on defense, I can tell you. Yeah, and, you know, Keedron Smith said he knew – he said he was waiting for that play all night. Like he said after the game, like that was a, a play he saw during, you know, film study, and he was just waiting for it. And sure enough, uh, there it was, he, and he read it perfectly and obviously made the huge play. But, uh, yeah, they were definitely – and I just think Kentucky's DBs, I mean, some of the pass breakups they made on a few balls that were – I wouldn't. I don't know if they were great, but they weren't awful. Like Carrington Valentine had a couple pass breakups. Where like, man, where's this Carrington Valentine been? Like that was that was big time. So, uh, and, and you know, another thing I didn't think two things with the coaching staff from Florida that, that I think, you know, I don't know if it's a play design where you roll them out, but it just shortens the field. I mean, when you roll them out like that, and already when it's not working out. I, I I know maybe he's not he's not a pocket passer, but I just felt like they put him in in too many positions where he was rolling out in a short field. And also, you know, late in the game, uh, the fourth downs, the decisions there. I mean, at that point, Kentucky's offense in the fourth quarter and really in most of the second half was not doing much. I mean, they ran the ball better, but, you know, Kentucky's offense, I don't think they didn't score a touchdown. And I think Will Levis. Uh, he only completed four passes in the entire second half. Um, so, I mean, the first fourth down decision, I couldn't believe it was six minutes. And then, you know, you know, four minutes left, you have all three timeouts and you're at the your own 24 yard line. And it was like, I, I, I don't know. And, and you know, those two plays when, you know, those are incomplete passes by Richardson. I, that can't help a kid's confidence in his third start. So, I, I don't know. I, I just thought there were some questionable – obviously, Richardson was off his game, and like you said, Jalen, I think he's a really good player. I think he's going to be fine. He'll learn from this one. But uh, I just think it, it was more on the coaching staff. It, it was like a – are you trying to mess with this kid's confidence? I, I just yeah. – very questionable decisions. And Florida fans were booing after those fourth downs, and I don't think it's because they didn't work. I think they knew those decisions uh, were just not good. Yeah, they they got thoroughly out coached, man. And uh, yeah, and I, you know, I, I definitely agree. But I think the moving the pocket thing, I really do believe that they were, uh, they were trying to protect somebody up front and not sit in the uh -huh. pocket. Um, I, I think you know, and they they moved the pocket a lot anyway. Um, but I I think um, it, it must be a strength of his at quarterback. Yeah, and they may have been trying to protect. They had an injury. They may have been trying to protect the guy. Yeah, the right the right tackle went down in the yeah. second or third quarter, so that might have been what yeah, that so. was. 
Um, so that could be it. But yeah, man. Again, I think they got they got out coached a little bit. So, uh, but hey, it happens. And to to that point, you know, Aaron, you and I talked about this last week when we did the preview episode for Florida. If you're in your first year uh, as a coach, and Napier is, is probably an upgrade over Dan Mullen, who was kind of mailing it in <laughs> towards the end of his time there. All that said, Napier still hasn't got the culture the way he wants it to. Nah. Is, is that was his second game in his first year at Florida. If you're an established coach, Jalen, you may agree, you may not. You should be a coach in his first year. It doesn't matter what kind of cupboard that guy has. It may be a bare cupboard. Like when you, you know, in Stoops' first year, the cupboard was kind of bare, two and ten. Napier is inheriting more than Stoops did in his first year, but he still hasn't got everything the way he wants it. Stoops in year 10, so look at this dude. <laughs> I'm about to beat this dude in year one. You in year one, you're more than likely going to take some lumps. Now, Beamer might be the exception. He went 6-6, six and six, won a bowl game, but he barely beat Vanderbilt and barely beat Missouri. They got, and they had a Florida team that was on their back and quit, but they Mullen mailed it in, like we said. Yeah, yeah. So that's one of the wins he gets. So, in your first year, you're more likely gonna take your lumps. A dude in his tenth year got his stuff together, got it established. Because look, you don't become an established coach in this league without doing something right. Yeah, you're gonna be around. 10 years if you ain't doing something right. You know, yeah. still and, to saving. You you got to do stuff right to stick around like they have. And you you got your stuff together. You're going to be the coach that's in year one. Yeah, not only does Napier, need, you know, still need to keep building that culture. And I, and I think he's doing a pretty good job early on. And even when they were at SEC Media Days, just, you know, listening to some of their players, they it definitely sounded a little bit different from what I heard last year. But, you know, He's got to recruit. Dan, the big issue with Dan Mullen was he mailed it in, not just, you know, with, with after they had those losses early on and the playoffs were out of question, but he wasn't a great recruiter. He was a, he's a good X's and O's offensive coach, uh, but his recruiting really lacked. And, and you're in Florida. What, what was, and you're in Florida. What, you're in Florida. What, what stood out to me, what stood out to me, Kentucky's wide receivers are so much better than Florida's. And you think about the guys who have come through Florida at that position. I mean, they were I, – Florida's receivers, I, I'm not – they just weren't very good. I, and I the was, running backs are pretty good, but the receivers, Kentucky's are on a different level, man. Yeah, I was like – I was extremely surprised at the lack of talent at receiver for Florida. So, it was bad. Yeah, I, I was I was like, man. But one thing we can say, you know, just geographically speaking, Florida will always have good defensive linemen. They yeah. will always have good DBs. Always. It's just, you know, it's just Florida, you know, um, it's Southern football. Kids love football in the South. We know that Florida's a big institution with a lot of great tradition and history. Yep. So kids are going to go there. But if, if Napier, I think he's, a, he's already changing the culture. I kind of like the guy from a few interviews I heard. I kind of do too. Yeah, I like him too. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I don't know him personally, but he seems like he's a, you know, respectable guy you know mm -hmm. players guy not saying a player's coach but he you know he cares about the, what's going on with the guys um but if he can get some recruits in there you know i said this last year the sec east is going to become the new sec west it's um, coming it, it, it's just the truth tennessee kentucky south carolina uh, i don't know missouri is obviously going to be the um the one that's not I think Vanderbilt is going to surpass Missouri personally. I do too. Um, I do too. I like the coach at Vanderbilt. You can only go – you got a very low ceiling at Vanderbilt. And I got one of my ex-teammates uh, who's a coach at Vanderbilt, so no disrespect. You know I love him, but Vanderbilt has a very low ceiling. Yeah. Uh, and a very low floor. But I think this guy's going to be able to kind of stay in a decent spot for Vanderbilt. Um, Florida's going to be Florida. Georgia is the best program in the country right now to me. Um, so, I mean, you just – if you look at that, man, and when Texas and Oklahoma comes in, who are they going to move <laughs> over to the east? I mean, probably Alabama and Auburn, probably. Oh, man, I, I hope 
<laughs> That's probably it. Just geographically. Yeah, yeah I mean, I think. Yeah, I think they're gonna do. I think how it's gonna be. I think they are gonna go the route of three permanent opponents, and then it all. I think for like, I think you'll see like Kentucky, Tennessee, Vanderbilt, and then uh, kind of the third one's probably gonna be a wild card. Yeah, I think it could be LSU, but I don't know. You know, uh, it's just. But anyway, like I just think that the SEC East is is kind of it's the it's the toughest division in football right now in college football. Uh, or just it's getting that way. You know, I just think the way it's getting, I mean, Kentucky is like, I mean, you can't, I remember, you know, the days where you can look at the schedule, like, ah, Kentucky, uh, I don't know about this one. Uh, that, now, yeah. you can't, Kentucky fans look at the schedule and have a lot of confidence when they go in and play South Carolina. A lot of confidence when they go play Tennessee. A lot of confidence when they go, all the confidence in the world when they go play Missouri and Vanderbilt. I mean, so they, you know, they're going into these games where, you know, um, you know, even if you're Georgia and even if you're whoever else Kentucky may play out of the West or a bowl game, you got to look at the the team and say, man, this is – we can get blown out by this Kentucky team. Like, this is – you know, it's not the same – it's not the same deal over there no more, man. It's a different world. Pretty confident you know, going this game Saturday. Well, we, I was hopeful last year, but we were pretty confident – Going into this weekend, and and nobody is really none of us are really shocked that they went nah. out. You know? Listen, listen to this quote from Josh Allen. It might as well be what Jalen said, and it's you guys are spot on. Uh, just watching them, it was crazy. I feel like Kentucky. We are at a point to where it's like every game they come into, it's not who they are going to play against. It's about how they are going to prepare for that week. I mean, they're not it just show, they're not afraid of anybody. They think they're on the same level as everyone they're playing and I think just, you know, from conversations I've had with fans and, you know, the only game that anyone's really scared of right now is Georgia. I don't think there's any fear in Ole Miss. I don't think they're necessarily I think they're more worried about Tennessee just cuz they haven't dominated that series yet well, at all. Tennessee is the Tennessee is the if I'm Nick Saban, I'm scared of Tennessee. Yeah, they're true. Tennessee is just it's such a wild card because the offense is so I mean, man, like they they snap the ball with 34 seconds on the play clock. <laughs> I mean, you can't there's no way you can duplicate that in practice. It's it's impossible. Hmm. So when you know, so if I'm if I'm anybody, Tennessee kind of makes me nervous. Uh and I'm just being honest. Like now the defense doesn't. But that offense, that offense made me nervous. I mean, I, I sat there and watched them. I watched the film from last year, every game. I watched their games this year. And it's like, man, if you're Pitt, – Pitt was at the mercy of Tennessee. And I know the game was tight, but at the, at the end of the day – That was self-inflicted on Tennessee that it was – Yeah, tight. yeah. Tennessee wanted Pitt to win the game. Yeah. I, I texted the kid. I, yep. told, I was like, y'all wanted Pitt to win. <laughs> if, you're, if you're a defensive coordinator, a defensive player, a defensive lineman, I mean, like – you are begging for a timeout. You're begging for a stoppage. Once they get going, dude, they snapping the ball with 34 seconds on a play clock. Like I mean, that's no. that's like if you go back 20 years, most coaches say that's impossible. You know, there's no way they are snapping the ball. And I'm not joking. I'm watching the game this no. multiple times. 33, 34 seconds on the play clock. How in the world do you like practice for that? How do you prepare for that? It's impossible. Think of it this way. Kentucky, I think since 2018, has only allowed 40 or more points one time, and it was Tennessee last year. And that was really the only game where the defense, it was just like, oh, my God, they look awful. Yeah, and it's, it's, <laughs> that yeah, was the only game I, I can remember the last four years where I'm like, wow, this defense looks like it sucks. But that was what Tennessee was doing. Yeah, it, it's, and it's, it's, it's crazy because, you know, I'm not – Definitely not a Tennessee fan, and I don't, you know, you know, you know how Kentucky fans can get. Uh, but at the end of the day, I'm just, I'm just keeping it a buck, man. Like, no, you're I'm right. I'm a defensive coordinator. I am scared of them. Like they, because I, I can't prepare for them. And you see what they did against Alabama last year. They had Alabama beat at, you know, from a. If you just looked at the game from a Tennessee offense, Alabama defense perspective, they were beating Alabama. Yeah. You know, if Tennessee if you, had a defense, they might have won. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if Tennessee had any anything on defense, they could stop a nosebleed. <laughs> they, you know, but they couldn't. They couldn't do it. But you know, they they are. And I said this when they hired Hypo. You can go back and check the tweets. I tweeted this. Sneaky. Like they will be a problem. You know. You know. It's just 
I sat there and watched their offense for years. They are tough to defend. I mean, they just are. Now, I think Kentucky defense offense can rush for 220 yards on them, and, you know, and open up some things. But um, you know, the pick and, six last year is what what was that the, was the difference. Nail in the coffin. Yeah, and you know, you take that away, they only score 38. So, and, and <laughs> yeah. that guy's in the that guy's in the NFL now, so he won't be there either. Yeah, so you know, it, it, they definitely uh. You know, I I do think Kentucky is better holistically, yeah. uh, but that 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 Tennessee offense kind of make will make you know Brad White's gonna lose a little sleep that week. Gotta get a few more against them. I, as a as a program, you you, it's, you can look and say Kentucky's probably past them, but you gotta get them head to head, like you kind of are everybody else. Uh, drop still dropping some to them. They shouldn't. Should have beat them last year. Should have beaten the Lynn Bowden year. You're up 13 nothing, lose 17-13, goal line stand. Oh, we don't want to relive that. So until you start kind of getting a handle on this head-to-head like you have with Florida and Missouri and South Carolina and Vanderbilt, you still got to deal with the Tennessee fans chirping. And I grew up on the Kentucky-Tennessee border. And uh, <laughs> Kentucky, Kentucky's definitely a better program, though. Like, yep. I mean, they just got to put it together on, yeah, on the field. They just got to beat Tennessee. They're both they're a better program than Tennessee. They just got to beat them. And yeah. that's obviously way easier said than done. Uh, but, you know, they just got to beat them. I think, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's going to be a very – I can't wait for that game. You know, I, you know I can't that's – the, that's the game I wish I had tickets to. Hmm. I wish I was in the building for that game. That's that's going to be a a very. I mean, you got two NFL caliber quarterbacks. You got a great defense against a great offense. You got, you know, you got two good coaches. I mean, you got a, a, a people who, you know, if uh if it was legal to purge for th- for an hour in Knoxville, <laughs> I think you'll get a lot of you oh know, yeah a lot of slain Tennessee and Kentucky fans. <laughs> um, so uh, you know. It's it's just what it is. So I I think that'll be that's gonna be a good one, man. I hopefully you know hopefully Kentucky's undefeated going to that game to make it to make it uh to make it really what it's what it should be. I think that yeah. I think that type of rivalry should be the way you know it is. Yeah. Gotta talk about our friends at Lots of Rain. They make watches for men and women. The best watches under five hundred dollars. The Compass, the Atlas, the Seafarer, the Legacy, the Navigator. Oh, a wide variety of choices to choose from. Lotterrain.com, L-A-T-O-U-R-A-I-N-E.com. Accessorize them. Do what you like. You want to be casual. You want to be dressy. You want to be more relaxed. Just get a watch to go on your wrist that you want. That way you don't have to, have to pull your phone out all the time to see what time it is. Get yourself a Lotterrain timepiece. Dave and Ben, they'll hook you up. Go to the site. Hit the chat button, ask whatever you want to ask about whatever watch you want to ask about. They will answer your questions and you can make an informed decision about the watch you want to purchase. Tell them you heard about them by listening to the Believe in Kentucky podcast as I rustle papers and about drop them. So don't don't listen to that. But lotterrain.com, check out our friends there. Also, this podcast is available at A Sea of Blue. Check out the website there. Every episode goes up. We appreciate Jason Markham and everybody putting these episodes on their site gotta mention too that you know we've been football heavy for the past few weeks but in volleyball there was history made kentucky volleyball craig skinner and everybody they're playing louisville right now on espn only the fourth time since 1997 that a women's volleyball game has been televised regular season volleyball games been televised on espn uh, I have to pull it up and see how they're doing last time i looked louisville was up going to the fifth set going to a fifth set tied it to Cool. So they rallied them on the fourth set. So hopefully they can get a win over those Cardinals. Um, Aaron, I know, you know, you had a fun trip to Gainesville and you got to witness the swamp for the first time. Jalen's experienced the swamp as well. We also can't tell Aaron nothing because his New York Giants went into Nashville and did the Tennessee Titans. Oh, oh man. With a gutsy two point conversion. We talked about last week how love it. Florida State LSU. Love it. Kick it. They both said, let's go for let's two. Let's go. And we're going to go out here with a win. And that I'm, was freaking awesome, man. You were there. You were in the. I was there. Yeah, I couldn't miss it. I, it was, uh, 
Yeah, we haven't had that feeling in a while. First one and zero start since 2016, and just seeing, you know, an aggressive head coach and a guy, uh, the team rally back. You know, most these last couple of years, down 13 nothing at halftime, there'd be no fight in the second half, and you know, Saquon Barkley looked fully healthy, and uh, man, what a what a win! And uh, I couldn't even bring myself to watch the kick. I literally just watched the ref and waited for the for the no good there. And uh, yeah, it was a, it was a great weekend. Great weekend. And no, no disrespect, man. I swear, no disrespect. But when I saw that, that was the biggest surprise for me for the weekend. Oh, me too. Like, <laughs> me too, man. I, I, you I kidding even, me? You know, I didn't think they'd win. <laughs> I don't. I don't watch. I don't really watch pro ball that yeah. much. I'm usually busy rewatching college games and busy doing football stuff. But um, I was, I was extremely uh, shocked to see that. Oh, uh, me too, man. Shout, shout out to you, man. Shout out to all the. You know, I know another Giants fan that um, you know, long suffering. He finally proud, you know, wear his shirt proudly. Uh, <laughs> so, um, you know, shout out to y'all, man. You talk yeah. about you talk about how surprised you talk about how surprised you were. It reminded me of the time that um, was it 20, 2010, uh Kentucky played at Auburn because the next yeah Auburn won the championship the next year with Cam Newton yeah the year before Auburn got Cam Newton so, so two thousand nine they beat them then twenty ten is when Auburn won right yeah okay. yeah 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 two thousand nine Kentucky oh played yeah 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 at Auburn and so I hadn't been to Auburn I was like cool finally get to check this you know Jordan Hare off the list Tumors Corner the whole Auburn vibe and now I ain't gonna lie in the back of my mind I'm like well. It's going to be cool to say I've been here. It's going to be pretty cool watching them roll these trees after the ball game. <laughs> and nope, Randall Cobb and the fellas had other plans. Kentucky won 21 to 14. And I was as surprised seeing that win as you were walking out watching the Giants beat the Titans. So, yeah. Yeah, I was, couldn't, I couldn't believe them. it. Had to watch them roll them trees some other time. <laughs> Good stuff. Yeah, they, they definitely roll those things, man. So. <laughs> yeah. well, fellas, man, we had a lot of fun. Appreciate all your insights, Jalen, and all your knowledge, Aaron, too. We bringing it for the Cats Paws. Y'all check out all his work there. Jalen, man, appreciate everything you bring to the table on this podcast. Looking forward to more episodes. We Hope to be back next week talking about the win over Youngstown State. Then it's on to Northern Illinois. Then we jump back into the the big time stuff with that trip to Oxford coming up in a couple of weeks. But enjoy each and every minute of this. Y'all go and check it out. And I uh, hope y'all enjoy what we brought to you. Go to Believe.com, wherever you get your podcast. And tell your friends about it. Retweet it. All that good stuff. And we'll come at y'all next week with another fun episode of Believe in Kentucky. Until next time, everybody stay safe and go Cats. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube